Hello and welcome to Sigma Sports Presents, Matt Stevens Unplugged. I'm very excited about today's episode, not because I've got a cold, but because this is the first time I've ever been joined on the podcast by somebody who has won the Tour de France of comedy, meaning he's won the most prestigious comedy award at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. So we're comparing endurance sports to endurance arts here. Uh, Just go with me on this one. I'm talking, of course, about David O'Doherty. What can I tell you about David? Well... He is a self-confessed cycling nut. Uh, We talk about nuts of all kinds on this podcast. He knows his record from his super record and probably knows more about bikes than you or I. In fact, I actually think he does. His knowledge is insane. We chat all about his love for classic racing bikes, how he's become a serial collector and how he loves fixing them up. We also talk about how cycling inspires his comedy. He's been on Celebrity Mastermind, so I fully expect him to ace the Dublin quiz. Stay tuned to find out how much he knows about owls. What else? His childhood handyman was an Olympic cyclist, and he shares a fascinating story about the 1972 Olympics. And David tells me how I could help out at his elaborate Viking-style funeral, which will hopefully be a long way off in the future. Dark, but weirdly fun. So. Get comfy, stick your feet up, and leave your protractor in your geometry set, because there's no measuring the tangents we're flying off on. This is the David O'Doherty episode. You know it's that time again. Podcast. David O'Doherty is one of the most successful stand-up comedians Ireland has ever produced. He's been making millions of people laugh for more than 25 years with his charming flights of fancy, guesting regularly on TV panel shows such as QI, 8 Out of 10 Cats, 8 Out of 10 Cats Does Countdown, Nevermind the Boscocks, and Would I Lie to You. And also, very soon, he'll be on Celebrity Bake Off as well. So, why is he on my cycling-themed podcast? Well, David is absolutely obsessed with a certain era of cycling, the late 80s specifically, and he owns a growing collection of classic bikes. He made a cycling documentary series along for the ride with David O'Doherty for Channel 4, and when he appeared on Celebrity Mastermind, his chosen subject was the first 100 years of the Tour de France. He is a very knowledgeable man. But what does he know about the native owl population of the third biggest city park in the world? There's only one way to find out, folks. Check it out. D- David, finally, after 20 minutes of high-tech shenanigans, welcome to Matt Stevens Unplugged, mate. Welcome to my basement. Uh, you're, you and all of the listeners can come and stay here whenever you want. That's the one perk of me doing a podcast down here. What a lovely gift that is. I mean, a, uh, I mean, it's Airbnb. I'm going to charge you a lot. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's it's still quite nice, sort of an open, an open invitation with a small fee. I, I think uh, I think you might get quite a few people in the comments hitting you up on that one. Um, so, Can David, you identify the bike behind me, Matt? Sorry. Oh, God, I know no, no, a lot no, no. We're no. just audioing this. No. But come on. Do you have a high enough? Uh, no, you, are, you look crystal clear. I, I would say three and a half K res you are. Not quite four, but still very good. It's yellow. Yeah. It's clearly... So, so there's your first clue. Ooh. It's got normal brakes. It's got brakes from the, I would say, the late the 80s or the early yellow. 90s. Let, let's go with that yellow theme. Yes. Um, What's the iconic yellow bike of the late 80s? It's going to be 90s. Stephen Roach's... Is it a celebration? Is it one of Stephen Roach's celebration bikes after winning the tour? It's a Mavic Neutral Service support bike. <laughs> Flipping heck. That is iconic, mate. That's very iconic. Where'd you get your hands on that? Because that's, that's a thing of beauty. 
I mean, how did you find that? I mean, I have a problem in my life, Matt, that when bad things happen, I go on Facebook Marketplace and buy a bicycle that always with the intention I'm going to flip this. You know, I'm always like, I'm going to get out of this comedy game. I'm going to go where the true money is, which is in fixing up bicycles from the later uh, 80s into the 90s. And yeah, people will be like, how did he get so rich? Yeah. And they'll be like, because this guy, this guy knows his uh, record from his super record. And uh, yeah, so this was a project that, yeah, I got the frame somewhere. I actually... I mean, super nerds, if they can see it, would notice that it's actually an American Mavic saddle. So I feel I've let myself down there slightly. But, you know, you try and keep it as French as possible with a bike like that. So there's a lot of ooh-la-la in those, uh, in those wheels and tyres. I, I, I do wish we could just have a crash zoom or maybe a little bit of a tour <laughs> around it. Um, or maybe what you can do following the little video, following this, we... We most we ask our guests to do a little video, and I think maybe just a a thirty second whistle stop tour of that beautiful machine would be yeah, would I mean, be lovely. I could ride it, but then the listeners would realise that I I can't cycle, which is my big. That would be an incredible twist, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean the the amount of effort that you've gone to over the years, though, because cycling isn't you know, in your content. I mean that is. I mean, well, how is your stunt double, by the way? Is he all right? <laughs> It's all Photoshop. Yes. It's really expensive uh, Photoshopping. Or I have some trained seagulls with sort of fishing lines yes. that hold me up from above. So it appears like I can cycle, but it was just, my dad was too busy. He never had the time to teach me. Yeah, so sort of seagull puppetry, basically, yeah. is, the, is the method that you've used. Uh, you, <laughs> oh, yes, it's a beautiful, beautiful bike. And so how many bikes have you actually flipped? You? flipped how dare you ask that question how many bikes have you flipped or have you just are you in, incapable of flipping them because you fall in love with these beautiful machines is that what the problem is or are you wealthy now um well certainly i don't have enough room in this house for all the bicycles like i know the correct number of bicycles is bicycles plus one yes but so about Five years ago, I said, we have to start start operating a one-in, one-out system now. But then I realized you can actually put bikes in kitchens. <laughs> you can have yeah. them in spare rooms. Yeah. You can attach them from the ceiling. No, I, I mean, we're, we're, we've reached the point now where, because I've been very into bicycles for 20 years and certainly, no, I've been very into bicycles for my whole life, but certainly doing this, since I started, you know, not being a broke stand-up comedian, there was definitely a period where I'd get some money and just immediately buy another iconic bike that I wanted with the intention of flipping it. I would never flip it. Yes. I would place it into another. Like, in fairness to all these bikes, they're all good to go. They're all ready. There's nothing hanging on a wall in this house that can't be taken off that wall and a little bit of air popped in the tires. That's impressive. That's that's next level. That that's diff because a lot of bikes you see, old bikes, they generally the tires are perished, aren't they? And there's no yes. way that like oh they're missing a pedal or something like that. But the fact they're all good to go is is next level. So you you're that's that is impressive. I I thank you for your use of the word impressive there. They I, I the only time I would compromise a little bit. Like, I'm not a total nerd of get everything absolutely 100% period correct. Mm. If there's something that will make the ride a little bit more fun, you know what I mean? Yes. I, 
I'm inclined to give myself what we might describe as a slightly more generous freewheel, maybe than uh, Gianni Bugno would have necessarily written at that point in the 90s. Yes. Let's pop a big old 28, uh, <laughs> 28 first gear on there. And, and sometimes I will... I generally favour clincher tyres then because tubulars are so fiddly. Yes. And it makes them all more rideable then if I can just repair punctures myself and all of that sort of carry on. But uh, no, part of the joy, uh, aside from the intense sadness of having this many bikes, is that on a given day, I can be like, I want to ride a Bianchi X4 to go and get, you know, a large cake today <laughs> what what a lovely place to be in in your life that you can actually do that because I, me- I remember a while ago you randomly sent me a picture of you i think you were popping to the shops and i think it was on a bianchi and it was just out of the blue or was it one of your colnagos it was something that was quite random but clearly you're not just making that up you clearly do have these bikes you can just jump on that that's that's very very yeah, cool i do and like throughout this chat, I will try not to sound like that guy. Mm. But so, but <laughs> I so I've I've nearly had my what's the fancy name for your nutsack? Is it your is that your your well your testes? But the whole shebang, the, ho- uh, the whole caboodle, the whole caboodle. Um, I I I, I like to call Scro- it just, just undercarriage. Is is more colloquial? Um, just a scrotal region. Just edit this in so I look cooler. I've had my whole scrotal region almost removed twice by um, old aluminium pro bikes. Like, right, as okay. in, you know, there's that era in the 90s where they're like, guys, it's all about aluminium. And it's yes. about the thinnest possible aluminium. Yeah. And then uh, fast forward 20 years and I'm like, guys, it's all about the thinnest possible aluminium. And then you literally donk into a a, a two-inch pothole. And have you ever cycled a bike, Matt, where the whole front end separates from the entire back end? And the only thing holding it together is the brake cable that runs along the crossbar. I I haven't had that. I've, I've had a I've had a pair of handlebars shear off on a downhill section, but I've never had the whole front part of the bike disappear. Although I did repair a friend's bike when I worked at Marks and Spencers in Watford, and and I forgot to put the front wheel on, and he returned to work the following day, and it, just describing to me how he got out the saddle and the front wheel just rolled off down the road, and he, and while he was telling me this, his arm was in a sling, um, uh, so. Yeah, I, that was the first and only time I ever charged for repairing somebody's bike. Bless him. But but I've never... So, so to know, what happened then? So, so this happened to you on a couple of occasions? Yeah, it's happened twice. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on me twice. And so I've tended... So I went no more old aluminium frames. Okay. Like there are still a, a few very iconic ones that I would like. Some of those Klein mountain bikes of oh, the 90s they are and some beautiful. of the, they are so beautiful yeah. but they're generally of aluminium so i think we're just going to again my principle of we're not hanging anything on a wall here uh i had a yeah a, a couple of nice old rabobank there's a sort of um uh colnago with a double tiny thin yes. stay down tube yeah and i mean 
I think this was this was a bike that was popular with the babes. You know, you'd pull up at the pub and you'd just be like, babes, check it out. You're expecting one large tube there. In fact, two. What is wrong with you, babes? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what, what balanced that out was the almost complete and clean removal of my nutsack. In fact, I'm going to make a trailer for you afterwards because I still have it upstairs, the bit that's left which, uh, you know, you can use it, say, as a cookie cutter. You know, you could use it probably to um, cut through quite uh, thick substances because, yes, yeah, so we don't yeah. mess with old aluminium. And, yeah. So have you got like a bionic nether region then now? Is that what you're talking? Is it just electronics? <laughs> um, what, what is it? I mean, or is it a mixture of bionic or is it like semi-bionic? So there's, there's some sort of organic and some... I don't know, some um, some microchips in there. Well, what's, what's going on down below, uh, David? Yeah, it's an unconventional superhero origin story, yes. certainly, about uh, how his nethers were attacked twice by uh, vintage cyclocross bicycles. Uh, and what use is it? I mean, if, say, I was bionic, like utterly Kevlar bulletproof mm. down there, it would still be quite a tricky situation where, say, I'm getting... Uh, shot at or something yes. by the baddies and then I, I need to kind of lie back jujitsu style on my back and then attempt to bounce the bullets back at them yeah. using my uh, my cer- ceramic ball bag that would be that would be something to behold and, and what about taking it a step further uh, akin to the silver surfer uh, who fires out the ice or is it Iceman who fires out the ice and then skates on it you could maybe use your yeah, you're, you're, maybe your Kevlar um, scrotum to, to fly on like a mini kind of flying saucer, um, fighting yeah. crime all over Ireland and, and beyond. <laughs> fighting crime all over Ireland is a very funny tagline for the least popular Marvel movie of all. <laughs> oh, God. So my point is this. So, so uh, again, not wishing to sound like this guy, mm. but... Those carbon bikes, you know what I mean? I know some of those C40s are still going from the 90s, but like I wouldn't, as a man of 15 plus stones, I wouldn't necessarily trust an old carbon bike now either. I think that'd be wise. I mean, the integrity of the lugs is somewhat compromised because a lot of those, especially the Colnagos, I mean, I've got a lot of time for Colnagos, beautiful, beautiful bikes, but all... They, they should be really museum pieces now rather than bikes you ride on because the glue, they, they quite often come apart after maybe yes. 20, 25 years. Yes. The, sorry, just to go back there, can we now change the name of the ball bike to my lug? Your lug, <laughs> my, okay. My, what do you call the big lug that the one around the bottom bracket? It's my sort of bottom bracket it's lug. It's a bottom bracket, so Dave's bottom yeah. bracket lug. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, however... While those carbon bikes are beautiful that they are and essential for uh, going very, very fast this day and age, you know, not such a premium for me. So I'm the the there's a, there's a frame called a Master, the Colnago Master. Yes, yes. And in that, I just I found there's a version of it called the Froiler which is named after a very, 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 very tall man from the 80s that Good. I think Mr. Mr. Colnago built. Yes. Urs Fruller, with a wonderful moustache. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, he had a moustache. Urs Fruller, and he rode for Atala for a while as well. He had the... With the do you remember, 
That's are... exactly it. The blue and white stripy guys. That's and yeah, it's funny that because sometimes you'll see a photo of particularly kind of eighty-five uh, world tour classic. And you see them all at the starting line. And because maybe they're not the little nine stone imps that they are today. And because a lot of the Belgian guys have these amazing, you're just like, oh, it's a bunch of hipsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They look like a bunch of couriers who are waiting to have their uh, parcels for the day totally. handed to them in their big bags. And they've all got leisure wear sunglasses on as well. They're not practical <laughs> sports glasses. They're the ones that you'd wear to the pub or to Saint-Tropez, aren't they? So cool. <laughs> Anyway, that is an aesthetic that I have to say that I enjoy. Uh, but the so for for uh, Senor Freuler, no, he's probably German. Um, uh, I think he's Swiss. Austrian? I think he's Swiss. Swiss. Okay, World well then, points race champion. Yeah, we could say any of those things because yes. he could be from one of the different cantons. Yes, uh, Mister Colago built uh, lugs that rise up uh, two or three centimeters from the top tube upwards, which gives you a, a very stiff ride quality that I enjoy. Like, I, I remember reading about with those uh, Vitus uh, 80s frames, the ones that half the Peloton rode, I think Kelly certainly used to ride a, a size smaller, a couple of centimetres smaller than he needed, just because the compactness, because they were fairly wobbly, uh, those bikes, the compactness definitely helped it. And I feel the same thing, even though the master is a fairly, because of those corrugated uh, tubes, uh, I feel the Froiler for the 15 slash post-Christmas 16 stone man, it really gives you that stiffness that you're looking for when you're, when you really kick on the last hundred yards of the 200-yard cycle to the cafe where I go and get my bun every morning. I, I, I mean, I tell you what, once this this podcast drops, you're not going to find one of those bikes on eBay at all. They're just going to be just sold out, aren't they? Just gone. They're going to be... Well, I mean, I'd get one now and then flip it when this comes out because people are just going to want one of those bikes now, aren't they? I mean, flipping it. They, they are very... Yeah, back to the... Sorry, back to that aesthetic. That, that crazy... Uh, the art deco, art decor, uh, for, which is they're still doing it, which is a sort of like it's not a million miles to some of the graffiti that was going on in the New York subway of the 80s that's on those Colnagos where you look down. I always like that moment where you look down and between your bottom bracket, just in front of your human bottom bracket, is the little Colnago man. Oh, it looks it. like Keith Haring artwork a little bit, doesn't it? It's yeah, sort of Keith Haring kind of yeah. style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also, I like that he's there almost to remind you that this is the direction you should be traveling in. Yes. <laughs> and you should also be looking this cool now as well. I, I do like the way that, that we started off the pod. I, I really wish we'd recorded the first part of the pod because I think I need to set it in a little bit of context. You... We waited about 10 minutes and I said to Niall, our producer, said, Niall, let's give David 10 minutes. I think <laughs> messaging him before that could be deemed as rude. Uh, yeah. So let's give him 10 minutes. He could, you know, anything could have happened. Uh, and then I think anything beyond 10 minutes is like a welfare issue. So I thought, okay, let, let, let's oh, get, and then goodness. you called me. And then yeah. we, 15 minutes of, of, of getting you online. For, you've got a new computer, haven't you? Which I believe you're very happy with. It's a new MacBook Pro, I understand. Look, Firstly, thank you for mentioning all my sponsors there. Uh, but I, you're talking to a comedian in the AM. Like, this has literally never happened. 
Like, even if I'm doing I, Zooms, a lot of the time I'll be like, yeah, unfortunately I'm busy for that entire morning. I did so, think that. When you agreed to do it at 11, I thought, because we've had a meeting with you a while ago before, and it was in the afternoon, and you were lying in your bed. I remember <laughs> you were prone, and you had your phone, and you, I could see your feet. It, it was I, I think I could, anyway. It was quite a weird way to lie for a, for a yeah, meeting. It was informal, put it that way. But it was well, late. I, I, it's kind of like um, 1950s uh, American family daughter on the phone. You know what I mean? With Where you kick your legs up behind you. Yes. And uh, front down. That's a favoured way. I feel, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the entertainment industry, you've got to leave a marker, let these people know you are serious. Yes. And what could be more serious than lying face down on the bed and they can see your heels? Yeah. They can but, see and, the, and what I liked in particular was the fact that your face was uncomfortably close to the camera. But that, it, it, and that, that was really quite a nice element as well. But again, it, 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 it was great. I mean, I'm slightly losing my thread here, but, but no, that was... Yeah, so, so thank you for seeing us in the morning. But we've, I feel as if we've been airdropped... So say we're in a, in a podcast helicopter and, mm-hmm. and, and all the subject matter is on the ground and we've just dropped me and you in to the middle of bikes. And, and clearly people who don't know you will think this dude knows a lot about you you are you know a lot about bikes mate don't you it's it's incredible that the amount that you know but also it's not the amount you know you absolutely flipping love it don't you you because we've chatted before a lot and you 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 can see it in your eyes they they brought they brighten up your pupils i think actually dilate when you talk about old bikes and i wanted to know just to set this in a bit of context for people where this love for the bike began. Yeah, I mean, firstly, uh, when I have met you IRL, I am, so my father's a piano player, okay? And m- m- the bane of his existence is people describing in great detail the piano that granny has left to them that is like a tone and a half out of tune. And I see my father's eyes glaze over I know, I know the conversation so well because generally when people talk to my father about pianos, they do a sort of piano mime with their hands. Just to emphasise it's a piano that they're talking yeah. about. Yeah, it's like, oh, I don't know what a piano is. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> my friend is a golf pro and uh, that's, I don't know if there's a cycling equivalent actually. Because if, if someone finds out you're a golf pro, they just start telling you about, even if you just play twice a year, and they immediately just start doing the swing back and forwards, like my friend is going to diagnose whatever the problem is yes. from, from this mime. Yeah. <laughs> now, you're lucky, so there's no cycling equivalent to that. But whenever I talk to you about, you know, the difference between the different generations of Delta Campagnolo brakes, I know, I, I know, but at the same time, you know, I see your eyebrows rise up, but I also see those eyes... What's that? All around me are familiar faces. You know, one of those songs. Faces. Uh, Like, when's he going to stop talking to me about breaks? Yeah. I mean, I I love a good. I I mean, I I, I love stopping on a bicycle. And, uh, and, uh, but the thing about Delta brakes, they weren't very good at doing that. But boy, they look good, don't they? (laughs) They do. Um, I will fight you to the death on this by saying that the the generations uh, three and four. There we go. 
are not that bad. Like there's a reason Le Monde, who is like probably the ultimate tech geek of that era, is still writing them up to like 91, 92. You know, he's not doing that because he's he's being paid to do, you know, as in like Roach in 87 hated Deltas, although he wins the world championship in 87 on the Delta, he rides the Cobalto, like the, effectively the oh, break from 1981 the Cobalto, in the, yeah. the freaking tour then. So, sorry, we're get we're this is I'll see. Stop this is what this I mean. It, we do as soon as we start talking about a little bit of tech that might. <laughs> there's so much about that tech because I could tell you about the, the 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 internal workings of a version three and a version four delta brake because it had more pivot points, which yeah, made it stronger braking action. Four pivot versus five. Exactly. Pivot. I mean, come on. <laughs> can, if you could see the listeners now and the numbers just dropping off, you know. know, on like Mortal Kombat, you see the power going yeah. down. That's what the listeners. So my my grandfather, who um, died a few days after I was born, I never got to meet him, oh. imported uh, BSA bikes right. to Ireland. He was the guy. He imported Dawes uh, and BSA here. And so there were always some bikes around. Uh, my cycling, the next part of my cycling obsession was uh, I grew up in a, with a jazz musician father <clears throat> in a sort of a bohemian house where, um, you know, things would collapse be they stairs or roofs or whatever, right. because nothing was kept very well. But the man who used to come and fix it was Liam Horner, who had been was an Irish Olympian cyclist and a sort of right. legend okay. of, the, of Irish. He never went pro, but he was a really, really good amateur, including he was there. I mean, the the listeners, if they want to... It's one of the most incredible cycling tales is the 72 Olympics. So so there'd been a split since Ireland became independent. Certain sporting organisations remained all Ireland. Like to this day, the Irish rugby team is the 32 counties of the island of Ireland. Okay, But other sporting organisations had a northern and a republic uh, element to it. Okay, And in cycling... Uh, the perception was there was two separate cycling organizations on the island. And the perception was that the riders in the north weren't getting as much of a look in. And so they uh, decided the team was sent to the 72 Olympics. And the other team, the guys who weren't uh, booked for it or didn't get on that team, decided to turn up anyway. And in the middle of the road race, they were going to push off the 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 riders and ride the rest of the race, so they were hiding in bushes along the route. So like a, like an Olympic ambush, sort of Olympic uh, Irish team ambush. Wow. Well, it gets it gets way crazier. The day of the road race in the seventy two Olympics was the day of the attack on the athletes in the Olympic Village. So this was Munich, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So the road race is cancelled. And a bunch of dudes sit in bushes for six hours waiting for a, <laughs> a road race that never race goes by. Go by. Anyway, uh, Liam was one of the members of that team. And so he would fill me with these incredible tales that of nuts. that wild, wild era. And it's so funny because the same uh, families reoccur across I don't know if it's the same in England, but like the Kimmages. I don't you know, think it is, you know, I because I, 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 I know. 
you've got the McQuaid's, the Kimmages, and and, yeah. and and more, but I don't think there's one or two in the UK. But it doesn't appear in England. There doesn't appear to be anything quite like it. What you've got those yeah. those, those heritage families uh, yeah. in uh, legacy families in, in in Ireland. And then the other crazy thing in my so I just grew up sort of into bikes. Yeah, because there were bikes around because of uh, uh, my grandfather, and then there was a new build. Uh, a state of houses that all look the same in uh, about 1981, just near where I grew up. And it was that era where, because it was different economic times, people probably in their late 20s had just got married and had kids and all bought these houses. Yep. So it was just a bunch of kids of exactly my age. And we would play football for hours and we all got BMXs and then we all got those awful first-generation mountain bikes. Yes. And then Roach Kelly came along. Right. Kind of late 80s. So I was 12 for 87. Like, Kelly had been doing it for a while, but, you know, I, it was so hard to watch cycling in that era. It was more something you'd read about in the newspaper where dad would be like, you know, Kelly's won the Tour of Flanders. And I'd be like, oh, great. Sounds great. Um but then the, the other weird quirk in that, Matt, is so one of the kids on the road was uh, Stephen Wallace. I haven't seen him for years. I wonder where he is. His grandfather. So Stephen Wallace, when his parents would go out for the afternoon yes. in a way that a lot of other kids would uh, pour a small measure of all of the alcoholic beverages into a flask and go up a lane and drink it. Yep. Uh, uh, Stephen Wallace would take his washing machine to bits, would draw out blueprint plans of how the washing machine worked. He just wanted to know how every single thing worked. Wow, okay. And that extended to bicycles. Now, the interesting quirk about Stephen Wallace is Stephen Wallace was a grandson of Barnes Wallace, who had invented the bouncing bomb the dam busters in the Second World War. So, so na a naturally things, inquisitive yeah. mind, like, an, a, yeah. a, a, a naturally, like an, a mind of an engineer, or probably a coder now or something, wouldn't it? Yeah, Completely, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, he was one of those guys who I would turn up with my clunky old Falcon Pro BMX, and you would stand in his front garden, and he had a big box of tools, and he would make your bike... 6,000 times better in 10 minutes. You know what I mean? Right. Which okay. which at the time probably just involved putting a bit more air in the tires, maybe doing a two-tweak buckle removal of the clunky big back wheel, uh, either tightening a brake or bending a cable, uh, outer cable such that a brake was just moving a lot smoother. A bit of three-in-one on the chain, a bit of three-in-one on the chain. Putting the saddle <laughs> to the right height and... I thought this guy was a wizard, basically. <laughs> I mean, it was. It was wizardry because my bicycle was such an integral part of my life. You know, riding it to school, riding it to the shop, all of that. For someone to make it 3,000 times better. It's amazing. With virtually no effort whatsoever. There was, there was something magic yes. about that. And so I, um, I set about trying to figure out how he was doing this. What, what was this pure wizardry? Or was there something, uh, yeah, was there something to be learned? And, and, and what was the answer? Was it wizardry or was there something to be learned? It turns out it's called mechanical engineering. 
Right, okay. <laughs> and you can learn it <laughs> with not much effort if you just ask someone to show you how to do a thing. Is now, that, yeah. as we all know, there's more complicated aspects to it. Yes, yeah. I mean, it, was that what led you ultimately then? I mean, I'm just kind of putting things together. Working in a bike shop, was that the? Was that what, or that was just earn a few quid or was it yeah. your, or a bit of both, your first yeah, kind of I, job? I went for I went I was taken in on that kind of um adding air horns and uh, back carriers for Christmas. That's where you go in or or just the way the bikes like that was probably the start of the era where bikes arrived in cardboard boxes. Yes. Yeah. You know like there was an era where a bicycle just arrived in a truck beautifully put together by the people in the Dawes factory or whatever. Whereas then the, it was the the big box era came in. And they needed sixteen-year-olds uh, <laughs> to sh- to shoddily put them together. I I and I I definitely like I can't recall uh, uh, Matt Stevens, Marks and Spencers haven't tightened up the the front brake. Yeah. But I tell you what, it definitely happened because to this day, I fixed so many bikes in lockdown, and my final check is always. Do you know what? I'm just going to check the the. The stem. Yes. I got to check the saddle and I got to check if they're not quick release. I'm going to check both of those yeah. uh, wheel nuts. And, yes. you know, whatever happens after this, maybe it'll be a brake failure. Just pop your foot down. You should be fine. Yeah. But I, yeah, I do not want a man in a sling that I have charged Alice Stevens. I do not want that. No, no, no. I, yeah, I did charge. I actually, sp- that particular bike, as well as making sure it was mechanically sound, which it clearly wasn't. Um, uh, he wanted it sprayed in silver, so I just went to Halfords and got a can of silver hammerite oh, spray no. and sprayed it. But then what I what I hadn't done, I, I admitted to put any coverings and protective shielding over the chain, the rim, and the tires. So he, he ended up with a silver. You know, remember the David Essex film, Silver Dream Racer? He ended up with a silver <laughs> Watford Dream Racer. Um, it was basically an, an entirely silver bike, um, but he loved it. Well, I think he loved it, and he, he gave me the money. But yeah. Yeah, I set up a uh, mobile bicycle repair business. Did you really? Yeah, it's one of the most poorly thought out ever. Weirdly, I met my first ever girlfriend. She, fo- I, I put um, signs around uh, the third level institution I attended and around the city generally saying, I'll come and fix your bike. And I didn't have a driver's license at the time. Right. So I had like an old fashioned rucksack. Do you remember those ones that had a steel frame on them? Yes, I do. And because my tools were really bad, a lot of them. And heavy. And, yeah, huge old plumbers, wrenches and stuff. Mallets, to, to, all sorts, yeah. <laughs> I, Oily rags. I had, <laughs> well, uh, what did what all the things that chimney sweeps have? Those things, yeah, rods. Yes. Um, I yeah had them all in a backpack. And I would backbreakingly cycle across the city on my uh, Muddy Fox mountain bike and arrive at your house. And like the problem was the rates I charged just, it was one of those businesses where after two weeks, I realized having worked really, really hard, I was running at a massive loss. <laughs> because, you know, I'd, I'd, I mean, there is another issue here with Having worked in a bike shop, to the listeners who've worked in bike shops, I think you imagine it's going to be incredibly challenging. I think you imagine 
Gerhard Freuler or whatever his name is, is going to burst in the door with his uh, five foot legs and his uh, enormous framed bike and be like, I'm in the middle of a race. Can you please my I need my uh, gears fixing. <laughs> yeah, immediately. gears needs a fixing immediately. <laughs> and I'd be like, yes, Mr. Freuler, no problem. Whereas the actual reality of working at a bicycle shop is people come in and they're just like, it sounds haunted. I, like, I don't know what it is, but there's like a squeak. The squeak's coming from somewhere. And in fairness to this day, one of the gifts that I do have is, you know, your classic bike. The, you know the way there's six things that could be wrong when you have a mysterious squeak on a bike? Yeah. It's generally, the, you know, the rails on the saddle a lot of the time. It's something that you haven't, you know, or it's a pedal that needs to be... Bottom great, bracket, that sort of headset. Thing. It's generally something that needs ordinarily lubricating or... or exactly. It's, it's, yeah, it's only contact points gripping and, and creaking, isn't it? I almost have a sixth sense, are we going right. to call it? Yeah. Where I will ride that up the road and I just, I'm so familiar with the with the clicks. I'm so familiar with the different tiny creaks. I, yeah. Do you know what um, you should do? I mean, at least this, I'm, as soon as you started to mention that you had a, you were a mobile bike mechanic and used to advertise and track, I'm already thinking of a, of a, of a, some sort of mini series where you, but first up, you basically, you know, um, Lucy in Peanuts and she stand, she has that little stand and it says the doctor is in five cents. Well, you have one of those in Phoenix Park. The mechanic is in like a euro and, and there's an Allen key and a, and a, and a mole wrench and, and you, you just, people just stop and you, you, you just repair their bikes. And there's a, there's a real wide shot of most of the time just you on your own looking at your phone probably. Uh, but yeah. I like the idea of, of um, or in, yeah, investigating potentially haunted bikes. Yeah, um, I know, yeah. I, but, but like, again, I am so reluctant to sound like one of those guys here, but you used to be able to fix most things on a bike using not that many tools. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. you didn't need, like, presses to put uh, bearing races back no, in or any of that. There's nothing special. generally, yeah, you needed a 9 and an 11 uh, mil spanner. And one of those things that's all the Allen keys. Yes. And like that's that'll do most pair of, of them. A pair of pliers. A pair of pliers, pliers generally helps. And and I, I think it's fair to say the toolkit that my dad had, um, I'm not saying it was medieval, but it was probably Edwardian. And yeah. and that and we use that. And I still have I've I've got I've got a new toolbox in the garage, which is empty because I'm I bought it so I could transfer all my old tools into the new toolbox and get rid of my old tools, but I can't. So I've got chain whips that are suitable for a seven-speed block that I will yeah. never use again, but I cannot throw it in the bin, David. So I've I've got loads of tools which you can't use, but I'm loath to get rid of them because of, I don't know, they were just, they're part of who I am. Yeah, but uh, I'm not saying the fall of society is going to come and we're all going to go back to seven-speed freewheels. But the bicycle that I'm probably most obsessed with at the moment, or the genre of bicycle, is one, I call it the sweet spot. So there's a lot of bicycle thievery in this town, mm. as there is in every town. Yep. But I do notice that the thieves will always pick the shiny bike over the much better bike that's sitting beside it. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Like they might have some idea 
that of a, a a way too shiny big box store bike that that's that's not a great one but i there's a bike that i've had for about 6 years now that if it was robbed it wouldn't be the end of the world it's an old marin uh 700c mountain bike okay r- ridiculously that i've put that have turned into a sort of a, a drop bar racer thing. Nice. It looks weird. It goes so sweet. It's got uh, an old school compact front three on it and a seven speed on the back. And the thing about this city, like this, this I live in Dublin, so it's not Edinburgh uh, and it's not Bristol. Seven speeds will absolutely see you right in this town. Yeah. Like, I've never been caught off one end of it. Nice or the close other. ratio as well. That's sometimes what you need, isn't it? You don't need yeah. big unnecessary jumps on, on flat terrain, do you? So it's ideal. Yes. So, the, but the sweet spot bike is a bike that intrigues me. And it's like, how, how much can you get away with? Like, this is a bike where there's a few very classy bits on it. Okay. But. Not so many that uh, that the the potential thief would be like, uh, the, like it'd be impossible to shift. No one would want a mutant bike, yeah, like this. And I love the idea of a return, like that the next genre of bike in our cities could be these kind of mutant bikes that are built to exactly your needs from bits from that era that your father's tools oh, will totally. basically... I mean, in my, I, what I don't want to do, because I don't want to bring the tone down of the pod, say there was some sort of apocalyptic event, okay? Yeah. But all we had left was old bikes and, and our father's and our grandfather's and our great-great-grandfather's tools. Um, <laughs> it would end up being like, like I don't know, like Mad Max, wouldn't it? A, a weird <laughs> low-rent Mad Max, but with bikes. Uh, and some of the some of the set pieces would be would, would be kind of very low rent, but uh, I think would be in a good place. So I think that's the reason why subconsciously part of me is saying, Matt, you might need these in the future. Uh, the- so, so God, God forbid, but you might need yeah. these just in case it became rather lawless and you need to get about and repair <laughs> other people's bikes. I'd end up be, I'd end up you could end up being some sort of overlord, some mechanic overlord. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, running the city. Well, having grown up watching the A Team the show mm. the the key best part of the a team and i actually think this did influence my interest in mechanical things generally because i'll have a go at whatever it is i'll have a go at fixing a dishwasher like y- a fair play because i wouldn't and my wife wouldn't yeah. let me she'd just say stop it um she just wouldn't let me but mm. i mean the, the thing is you can generally just find a youtube video with most things oh, okay and if you watch it quite subtly it appears like you know uh, stuff about like oh yeah we need to right, clear okay. out yeah, yeah no yeah, the it, internal filter just needed to be cleared out okay and you feel like a legend afterwards uh, and I think a lot of, a lot of that probably comes from there was a sequence every episode of the A Team was the same it pretty okay? much was uh, B A wouldn't get on a plane uh, Murdoch would do something crazy. Uh, George Peppard would love it when a plan came together. Exactly. And nobody got more than a graze to the knee of uh, an exploded vehicle. Yeah. Uh, nobody, <laughs> no, but- I don't think anybody passed away uh, after being machine gunned uh, at all out of a helicopter, which was lovely. But you know, There was a sequence in it where the uh, local rebels would capture the A-team. Yes, and they'd be like, "We we will come back for you later, A team. In the meanwhile, we will lock you in this shed 
filled with tools yes. and old mechanical <laughs> engines, maybe a tank that's been disassembled, yep. some paint cans, probably some weapons. Uh, a brazing, well. a big brazing kit with goggles. All it's all in there, <laughs> wasn't it? Electricity. Um, yeah. I mean, I do wonder how much that sequence. So there was this amazing piece of music would play uh, while they were doing. There was the montage. Yes, which is actually. I mean, look, come on, what is 80% of contemporary television? What is Grand Designs, if not just a slowed down version of the montage sequence from yeah. the A-Team? And uh, so much of my bicycle repair, particularly during Pando times, where as a comedian, you didn't have a huge amount to do. So I just decided I would fix anyone's bike that asked me. In the style of and a montage? I, I mean, the problem with the... The montage, even if I say this, is so often so like the word vintage is just pushed out so often with bicycles. Vintage meaning shit. Yes. Particularly as regards a Peugeot 10 speed from 1989. And someone's like, you know, it was my late father's bike. Could you fix it up? And I'm like, yes. But then unfortunately we have a sequence in the montage where I am beating a old plumbing wrench with a hammer, trying to get the seized bottom bracket out of it. I'm, you know, I'm gurgling Coca-Cola down through the stem to try and de-whatever de uh, the uh, fork from the bottom, the aluminium ring of the stem. And that they never show that bit in the no. A-Team montage, is what I'm saying. No, no. no. You know, like, BA's never like, why the fuck? Did I agree to do this? Yeah, that's not going to go in there, is it? It's not going to go in there. Uh, Similarly, in Grand Designs, you, although I guess there in, there's a slightly more element of it in Grand Designs or like Repair Shop. You never yes. on the Repair Shop. There's a, there's never a moment where they're like, "Oh, this pocket watch is shit." Like you could just buy one of these on eBay for thirty quid. Fuck this. Can you imagine all the all the BTS action on on Repair Shop? That the real what they're actually saying about repairing somebody's teddy bear. <laughs> crying out loud i mean jesus just get another well i don't know that's maybe a bit a bit a bit soulless of me um uh, david we, what we're going to do now if that's okay because um i think we could quite easily depending on your engagements carry on for several hours just on this particular subject uh, but as much as i enjoy it i have painstakingly prepared um the next segment of the podcast for you i, I did ask you the other day where you well i knew where you were, were brought up um, but I just wanted that confirmed. So it's time now. And I, I didn't actually send Nala WhatsApp for this, but I'm rambling now just to allow him some time to get the jingle prepared because it's time now, David, for the Dublin quiz. Yo, yo. What's up? Y'all ready? Uh-huh. Let's do it. Ta-ta, turn off your phone. That's right. Get your thinking cap on. Yeah, yeah. It's time. What time? Time for the... Dublin quiz. I thought this was going to be a cafe ride like the one with Tom Pidcock. Ah, uh, uh, we, yeah, I've sl- been, slightly yeah. different format. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we have, I have several, I have several formats, well, the two, uh, and this is the other one. <laughs> you haven't asked me about writing up Abtuez that time. You've no interest in any of that. I have, we- I've got a list of questions of which uh, I haven't uh, had an opportunity to ask any. Uh, and I did actually, I was preparing for this, uh, believe it or not, I was preparing for this podcast, but I thought, 
there's no real point because I know you're just going to steer it somewhere else. And I love that because this is like one of those, because I rarely go out unless I'm on my bike with a head unit on. I just like riding and exploring. And this what this feels what like this podcast has been. It's just, we've just gone off and pointed at a turning and said, so we're going down there and, and we don't know where we're going. And I'm I actually, at the moment, in terms of podland, couldn't point to you north, east, south or west right now. I don't know where the hell we are. I quite like that state. Um, apart from the fact it's time for the Dublin quiz. So are you, how are you on, on Dublin generally, the history uh, and all that sort of stuff? You kind of... I mean, I don't want to say I'm... I this sequence is designed. I mean, it is literally designed for me. But I love quizzes, and okay. in as much as anyone can love this city, where the metaphorical seagull just on a daily basis removes the ice cream from your cone, you know, I do. Some part of me does love it still. That's well. That's that's good because this is the Dublin quiz. There are four questions. Um, and as I say to all of my guests, please don't worry too much because we're not going to do your legs. This is a multiple choice quiz, all right? Multiple choice. I'm not just going to expect the answer um, like back in the day when you had to sit at the dinner table and finish your veg for hours. Um, and then you had to smuggle it in your, the top pocket of your pyjamas into the toilet. I've done that before. Did you like sprouts? Did you like sprouts as a kid, David? Or were you one of those kids that didn't like most kids didn't like sprouts? I've one sprout a year, Matt. Every Christmas, I have my annual sprout. That's it. And it, it reminds me immediately of, you know, and every year someone's like, oh, no, all you got to do is you just have to cook it with crack cocaine. And yes. then it's absolutely delicious. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, you, you, I mean, you could do that with eat a pair of pants if you, you know, if you cooked it you in the really right stuff. You really wanted to, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Right. Um, my, I'm going to have to lift my chair slightly because... My eyesight's not as good as it used to be, so I'm going to have to just... My, and my writing is bad. So I, I always felt something that held me back from a pro career was... Uh, there were a few things, but one of them was I've always... My eyes have watered so much on downhills, yes. on cold days, to the point where so often I get to my destination... And people are like, are you all right, babe? <laughs> you know, like, honestly, you can talk to me about whatever it is. And it's, no, it's because I've just cycled in a temperature below 10 degrees. Yeah. I th like, so I, I think I might have then had to be one of those 90s pros that wore, do you remember the clear glasses? Yes. The ones that didn't, they, they, they weren't an eyesight thing. I think they might have just been for goobers like me. Yeah, no one wears I, them anymore, do they? No, I, I, some. I mean, a lot. Yeah, you can get different kind of. Clear, I, I did wear clear lenses, but not so much anymore. But uh, yeah, generally for eye protection reasons. So I suggest, I think you should get yourself an old pair. I reckon, head onto eBay, get yourself a vintage pair of Rudy Projects, the kind of ones that Pino was wearing in the eighties when he was like, he was at the vanguard of, of of sports spectacles, wasn't he? That was just at the point where. They started to make sports-specific spectacles rather than just hanging around in ones that you got on that that rotating thing in boots. It's um, true, yeah. But 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 hang on, sorry. I know we're getting sidetracked that's again. Fine. But there is so there's Phil Anderson. Yes. In the eighties, in those Oakley, the original are they called Factory Pilots? Factory the Pilots, ones? yeah. Uh, but then there's there's a picture, like there's a few there's a few photos. They're probably all Graham Watson photos. From my uh, pro cycling obsession. And one of them is, I think it's 89. I think it's on the Champs-Élysées. I think it's the one where 
Le Mans is basically being told that he's won. Like, there's this amazing thing where Fignon comes in, like, on whatever it is, eight seconds, and Le Mans looking around, and there's a picture, and he's wearing, I think they're called Oakley razors. Yes. And so what you see is is the expression on everyone else. Yeah. And it's like a freaking Caravaggio painting. It's brilliant. You know? It's, yeah, they are the Oakley razor blades. They were kind of quite new. And I bought my first pair of Oakley razor blades back then because Greg Lamont wore them for that. I, I yeah. just had to be like Greg. And they cost me, uh, back then, over £100 then. Oh, my goodness. And I, I saved up my, 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 my Marks & Spencer and my paper round money and bought them. But I just felt <laughs> on top of the world, David. I, I, I do. Right. It's time for the Dublin quiz. Question number one. Which owl, so owl, um, yeah. the, the bird which can rotate its head, 180 yeah. degrees? Which owl was confirmed as a... I'd say more. I'd say more than 180 think, degrees. What? Like, is Matt, it 360? I can rotate my head. I can rotate my head. Look at this. That's 90, isn't it? No, that, no, 90 is a quarter. That's a quarter. That's 90. Yeah. That's, that's 180. Are you calling me an owl? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think yeah. that, I think we should uh, sort of invite listeners to, to write in. Do people still write in um, on a self-addressed postcard to this address? Uh, how far can owls rotate their heads? But we need documented evidence. Um, um, just if I can just cut across you of there. Of course. Uh, so I used to watch uh, Swap Shop and Superstore, where the where the sort of going live, the ones just before that, mm. and it was always. Uh, the P.O. box that you wrote to was London W12 8QT. How do we know that? Yes, we do. Yeah. And so yeah. Uh, whenever I am trying to get on free wireless networks in the UK and they're like, enter uh, your email. And I just enter some absolute rubbish. But then they want they need a legit postcode. Let's just say every time I've scammed on a wireless network for the last, I'd say, 15 years. Yeah. London W12-8QT. <laughs> That's amazing that you remember that, but it's there. And I could go a lot... Blimey. I love it, love it. Right. Back to owls. Which owl, David, was confirmed as a breeding species in Phoenix Park in 2012? So um, bear in mind, there's not that many varieties of owl that are, yeah. are indigenous to the UK or indeed Ireland. Um, yeah. So which owl was confirmed as a breeding species? That's what I want. It's a breeding species in Phoenix Park in 2012. Was it A, the barn owl, B, the long-eared owl, C, the short-eared owl, or D, the tawny? The, uh, like, culturally we're living on these different islands... It's not huge differences, you no. could say. I tell you a big one though: we've no snakes. You've got snakes over yes. there. We thanks to Saint Patrick, he got rid of all of our snakes. Probably two or three times during this recording, Matt, you felt one going up the leg of your trousers. I have. Well, been... we have. Well, I've got a snake gate on this on the spare room <laughs> to stop them coming in. So one got through, um, <laughs> but it wasn't too bad. But you're right. Uh, we've got shitloads of snakes in Derbyshire. Yeah, so uh, we, we don't, thanks to St. Patrick and his great work, means that we don't have to worry about those snakes. Also, we we have the, I think you brought over the the grey squirrel. Uh, we The red squirrel is the indigenous one to us. Yes. And the problem is they are then fight, fighting off 
the gray squirrels are moving into the turf. And I see this in the Phoenix Park. Sorry to bring right. this back to the... I know this is a multi-choice quick fire round. No, and no. I've now spent probably over five minutes discussing this. But I'm going to say the long-eared owl. The tawny owl, I'm pretty sure we had already. Mm, could be the tawny. The, uh, the barn owl. I'm sh- I'd say we had that. I'm going to say the long-eared owl. Even though I've never seen one. Okay. It's correct. Oh, well done, Squire. So I tell you what, there's a bonus question here. Now, first off, the long-eared owl is the rarest in the British Isles. You know, in the wow. UK, it's the rarest owl we have. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. for a bonus point, David, and I'm happy to award it if you get this correct, which will, which will, which will you should just be a flying start to the quiz. You've already got a point yep. in the bag. I'm not. What I'm not going to do is take that point away from you. I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do? What's the prize here? What's the what is the prize? Well, just, we, we've you've skipped that. Um, the prize is. Um, is a, it an early '90s uh, racing bicycle? I've got some. I've got some bar ends from the 1990s <laughs> that I could uh, happily send you. Uh, and because it's the early 90s, they're probably made of lead or something. Yeah, you know, people they, were just like, no, you got to have heavy bar ends because yeah, otherwise, all, on downhills. Yeah, it, really, it keeps the bike nice and planted. To be honest with you. <laughs> um, so, for the bonus question, and this is combining two different uh, animals. For the bonus mm-hmm. question: Which owl is a fish? in relation to it being a red herring. So one of the owls in that question was it, it was an impossible answer because it isn't native to Ireland. Oh, I'm going to say the tawny owl. I doubt we have tawny owls here. Correct! Straight got the owl knowledge of David O'Doherty's absolutely off the charts. He's off to a rip-roaring start. He's in the early breakaway. They've got a lead of at least three minutes on the peloton. Let's head in to questions two, three, and four. Two points for O'Doherty. Sensational stuff. We're back after these. Let's take a short break. And we're back with question number two. So good start, David. You're confidently sipping. To the listeners, that was a fake break. He just—I thought break. I was going to get a moment to <laughs> gather my thoughts, but no. he just went. He ripped straight into it. No, we'll, no, I'll make sure you take that bit out. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. So no, I'll leave it in. Leave okay. it in, or <laughs> I'm revoking permission to use this <clears throat> Okay. Looks like Niles on your side. Right. Oh, okay. So this is. Um, a, well, it's a coat of arms based question because the question is about the Dublin coat of arms. So, question two. On the Dublin coat of arms, what are the two female figures either side of the three burning castles holding in their hands aside from one's got a sword and one's got a scale, a set of scales? What are they both holding in their other hand? Okay, so you've got the three burning castles, two women. One's got scales, one's got a sword, and they're both holding something else. Is it A, a dove? Mm-hmm. They're both holding the same thing. B, a basket. C, an olive branch. Or D, a sheaf of wheat. So Dublin is, as with many places here, is an Irish... Uh, word. So Dublin actually itself comes from the Irish Dovlin, meaning like a black piece of water, probably the river, where the river was, and where the Vikings built the city. The actual Irish term for Dublin is the town, Balia uh, Clea, the town of the Ford of the Hurdles, which basically just means there were some stepping stones across the river. So that's why they decided to put, you could cross the River Liffey right there. And, uh, 
a reason for that would have been, I suspect, trade yep. uh, from the agricultural lands maybe to the north. Therefore, I'm going to go with the wheat option okay. on this. Okay. It's incorrect. Um, I have slotted that in myself. Um, it is an olive branch on this occasion. Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but there you go. It's but a you, very dramatic coat of arms. It is. Double, with the three castles burning. I know. It's very, very... Very yeah. cool. Yeah, it, it's quite, it's quite, it's quite animated. There's a lot, a lot, a lot to look into. I do love, um, well, not love. That, that's going too far. I, I'm interested in coat, uh, various coats of arms, um, and generally on these quizzes, there's always a coat of arm questions. But it is an olive branch, uh, apparently, not a sheaf of wheat. But what I, and, I, I literally want to do half a point for your, for the logic that you I applied, know. and also the added information that that you imparted to our audience, which <laughs> is about you know you can't put a price on that, can you really? The I live in Dublin 8, a specific part of Dublin, and the coat of arms for Dublin 8, just to give you an idea of the sort of place Dublin 8 is, there's a, a lurcher and a dachshund, and they're both vaping while cold brew coffee rains <laughs> down on top of them. <laughs> you know this... Uh, <coughs> It contrasts with Dublin 6, which is the next postcode over, and the coat of arms for Dublin 6 is six Range Rovers in a traffic jam, and they're all saying, God, this bike lane's really gummed up the traffic, hasn't it? Flipping out. That's, that's, that's very modern, ultra-modern coat of arms. I like that. you have to send me some images of those. Um, <laughs> right. Question number three. And bear in mind, you do have two points, so you're, you're, you're well on track here for, for a pretty... How, how are my lifelines? Um, you haven't used any, and you can. I'm gonna. We generally bring in the lifelines for the second phase of the quiz. So it's a four. It's a four question quiz. You okay. do have a lifeline, and basically, it's one lifeline. You can actually pick. You know, I can remove two answers to reveal one, unless, of course, you know that in the first place. So use it oh, wisely yeah. is what I'm trying to say to you. So wow. question number three. Someone's gunning for Clarkson's position here. It well, you know. There we go. Um, yes. Um, right. Traditionally. The Nissan Classic cycle race, held between 1985 and 1992, used to finish on O'Connell Street, where young Matt Stevens had his cycling cap stolen by an unknown fan in 1989. But my question to you, David O'Doherty, what was the oldest original street name of O'Connell Street? Okay, so it's got it's had a few iterations of name. Okay, uh, the earliest of which was in the 1700s. Um, uh, was it a Linda McCartney cycling hat? It it was no, it's a Great Britain cycle. I was running for the the Great Britain amateur team, wow. and I was walking to the podium with um, and the crowds. Honestly, were absolutely insane because yeah. uh, Roach was there, Kelly was yeah. there. Um, I was there. David already was there as well. You were there amongst the throng. Was it you? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you were because because there's five years between us, and you would have been like a like a, a youth um, of about fourteen or fifteen. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was amazing. The crowds were insane, weren't they? Hanging off lampposts. It was nuts. Yeah, that was was that the year where the final stage came in from the Wicklow Mountains. That's right. There was one where it came in from like Sally Gap is a is a famous sort of like. It's old bog land, so it's it's just it's normally nothing, and there's no one for miles except yes. an odd Sunday rider out there. And yeah, we cycled up there for that. That's and amazing. Then, then tried to fly in afterwards after the caravan to try and get into the centre, but of course missed it because you were all going too fast. But yeah, that was th probably the first time we crossed paths. It, that's 
That's quite lovely, that is. That's absolutely wonderful. But I, yeah, I remember it with fond- fondly, but uh, it's the first time I'd ever experienced any like crowds like it when I was involved in, in a race. It was, it was yeah, yeah. yeah, fond memories, fond memories. Um, I think the earliest name of O'Connell Street that I know is Sackville Street. That, do you know what I'm going to do? Because I haven't given you the choices. I'm already oh, going to sh- give you, no, oh, no. I'm going to give you a half a point bonus for anticipating. See, this is a, this is a sort of quiz where I slightly make up the rules as I go along. But, um, but, um, so, so you've already got half a point. Uh, because of, of your just your knowledge, your, your, your exceptionally deep knowledge of, of Dublin in general, it appears. Wildlife, oh coats of arms, street names. But the choices are A, Sackville Street. I'm not saying it's the right answer. Oh, right. A, Sackville Street. B, Larkin Street. C, Drog- Drogada Street. Or yeah. D, Liffey Street. So it's the oldest name. So the oldest is what I want. Okay, the, the oldest then, I think, is... Drogheda Street, uh, I would imagine, is probably what what it is. It's correct. Yeah, good wow. stuff. So hey, I've what- just realised. Sorry, Mr. Stevens, uh, Quizmaster. Uh, so see the picture behind me here. So the listeners, yes. I'll describe it to them. <laughs> That's a Stephen Roach Galty cheese tea towel that I made my mother buy like 20 things of this very processed cheese in 1987. Uh, and the picture on it is a cow with Stephen Roach on a 1987 Bataclan riding in front of it that some point along the way I framed and have put in the spare room. So that's, I just realised. That's brilliant. So it's that's back in the is. day where you used to cut out the tokens of cereal packets or newspapers and save them, send yep. them off with a postal order to cover postage, and then you'd get the gift back, whatever it was. Good days. I mean, like here's a, this is, this isn't creepy because I was 12, but Stephen Roach's wife ran a clothes shop in the, in the city. And me and my friend used to cycle into town and just sit outside it <laughs> uh, on the off chance that Stephen might just pop in. <laughs> did, did, that he might have had a delivery of tights or something. <laughs> delivery of like... tights or toe straps. Oh, no, tights. Sorry, it's a clothing shop, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, this was, that was the, that was the extent of the obsession uh, at this time. Yeah. I love the fact that that tea towel frame still survives and it's in a, it's above the Mavic Neutral Service bike. It's, it's, I absolutely love that sort of stuff. Right. I know, but it does seem like I'm a bit trapped in 1989. It's not a bad. It's not now. a bad era to be trapped in the 80s because I mean, when you think about it, I, I looking back, um, I had a lot of fun in the 80s riding my yeah. bike and just being a kid in the 80s. Like, I just had just out having adventures. Um, yeah. Great, great time, and also Star Wars um, happened for me <laughs> back then as well. Indiana Jones, all that, all that, and the ET. I made a. I know, that's, oh, I just love all that but, stuff. But also, Matt, just from a Dublin and cycling point of view, the next time cycling would come to Dublin after the 1991 Nissan Classic was for the 1998 Tour de France, which wow. is the darkest time in the history of the sport. I know, so I, know. I think that was probably when, you know, that's probably why I think about this era more than uh you know what was to come afterwards yeah then, sure i Definitely. suspect that said you know i i just from a bike's point of view i do love these old steel like some of them are really really light 
And then I'm not averse to putting like modern stuff onto one. And you get a freaking light bike. You get like a seven kilo bike, no bother. You know, with a, with a, you get a seven kilo bike putting a super record on an old Colnago. So I, I just, I don't want the listeners to think I'm this tragic man baby that sleeps in a bed shaped like a Formula One car and just has pictures of Nigel Mansell on the walls and who's a footballer from that era? Ian Wright, you know? Ian Wright or Ian Rush. Or sort of yeah. Well, that's most a bit early, yeah. I did have, I was a big Liverpool fan and I had post Liverpool from like 1981, Alan Hansen, David Fairclough, all those days, all those guys. But then I'd cut out individual players from scenes from Shoot magazine uh, in black and white and blue tack them on. So I had like a month, I had this like a collage of tiny little individual football players all over my wall. <laughs> that's not, that's not weird, is it? Uh, and, and, and Robert Miller and Sean Kelly and Stephen Roach on my, uh, on my, um, yeah, the cupboard for the, uh, the airing cupboard where the boiler was. Right. Final question in the quiz. Because we've gone off yep. on a slight tangent, albeit a, yeah, a wonderful one. Question four, and you're doing well. You've got a total so far in the quiz of three and a half points. Uh, one and a half of those uh, you've accrued through bonus points, okay? <laughs> so we uh, need to stress that. Um, right, F- question number four. It's a short one. What is the strap line for Phoenix Park on its website? So Phoenix Park has basically got a strap line. And oh, right. What is it? Is it A, where Dublin goes to shine, B, where Dublin goes to dream, C, where Dublin goes to breathe, or D, where Dublin goes to create? As the Phoenix Park, I believe, is the world's, is it second largest city centre park? Third. Wow. Mm. Yeah, 2,500 acres. I mean, this is all links back to our cycling chat because... Phoenix Park is 5K from where I live. And when movement was limited during the Pando, I could make it up to the Phoenix Park. Yeah. And I rode, there's a million tracks in it. There's a sort of cyclocross track around the edge of it. Every year, I mean, you raced in the Phoenix Park. Yes, did, Every yeah, year, yeah. the Irish Cyclocross Championships would be on, there's a sort of hilly uh, section um, of it. And I would say where Dublin goes to, to, Dublin goes to breathe. I quite like it as a, even if it's wrong, I still... I'm going to say that's what it should be. C. It's the correct answer, David. Wow. Absolutely fantastic. Good this stuff. This is better than winning pointless. It's, I mean, yes, of course. Blimey, yeah. I think mean, this is one of the most, well, the most low-rent quiz you've ever done, but I, you've embraced it wholeheartedly, and that, for me, is a big deal. So let me just toss up the points. So one, two, three, four. Four and a half points out of four which wow. gives you something akin to 115% in the quiz. <laughs> Let's have a round of applause from our live studio audience, David Doherty. What a competitor you have been. Oh, lovely too. And yeah, just absolutely wonderful. So well done. Four and a half Thank out you. of four in, in the Dublin quiz. We appear to have ever so slightly overrun, but we don't have a... A threshold, really, uh, for how long yeah. these pods go. So I'm just going to just wanted to ask one, one or two more things, really, because yeah. we have. It's been wonderful, David. So uh, th- thank you so much for for um, your time. But what 
what I want to talk about briefly, uh, and it probably won't be brief because you're such an expansive man. You know, you really do. You give a lot. Uh, and it's great as somebody who's asking questions, I'd sit back and, and off you go. And it's, it's really quite wonderful, actually. You do all the heavy lifting. But incorporating cycling into your material um, is something that clearly has been massively important since, since the year dot, really, for you, just going back through all the stuff uh, that, that you've done. Um, and that is obviously... Is that something that you think is utterly integral to what you do? Will it always be there? Because from what I've seen, it's, it's, you can't unpick it. It's really part of what you do, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, like I, my stand-up is, I just talk about my life, really. And cycling is such a big part of it. Like, for example, at the Edinburgh Fringe every year, I buy a bike on the first day of the festival. And then I give it away in the last gig to the person. Because sh- you showed us it this year. Showed me, me and Mark, Mark hooked in to see you, didn't we? And uh, yeah, you showed yeah. us the bike you had. Yeah, it was quite a fancy one actually this year. That yeah, I did. I felt yeah, I know. But that's the deal. You've got to give away a Shimano 105 cyclocross bike. Uh, but yeah, it was perfect because for one thing, with a festival that is as intense. Uh, and potentially unhealthy as the Edinburgh Fringe. It's really nice to have a bike where you ride from show to show. You yeah. know, cause some days you're doing four shows. And uh, it's really nice to take off and get out of the city then. Like the amazing thing about Edinburgh is that it has like the crags and it has the Arthur's seat. You really feel like you've left the city after 15 minutes of cycling. Um, so, yeah, I tend to talk about... Uh, because bikes are on my mind a lot. And then, you know, because I have a quite a noisy, easily distracted brain, as you and the listeners will be aware <laughs> after this, like cycling is always, I, I, I think it's it's similar to the way that sometimes I have my best ideas when either hoovering or shaving. <laughs> it's If there's a fairly simple manual task that occupies the motor parts of your body, your brain actually becomes freer to think and to relax and to figure out what's actually going on with it. And cycling is one of those things because you're taken up with turning your legs around and shifting your weight around and also watching out for a Daihatsu charade door to suddenly open in front of you. you. Your brain is in some way freed to either relax or to think about what's actually bothering you here. So cycling is this very, very important thing. And then because I I do love the aspect of fixing uh, the bikes and I do love these, like when you get a bike right and I don't even understand, like it's not to do with frame geometry or to do with getting the saddle to a certain height. Sometimes a bike just fits you sometimes like i i have this i have this cross bike upstairs that yeah i don't know like i messed around for so long with it it's even just the way the um the uh brakes like meet the uh bars and whatever the stem i have on it like there's there's so much going on that yeah. i don't understand that you feel like i've always said that I would like a Viking type burial 
but whether that's possible on a bike, like where they, you know, the way the Vikings would put you in your long ship yeah, and set, set on fire, fire and, and just, push you out. Yeah, to yeah. So I would like to be set on, like gaffer taped to the frame of, or maybe just the seat and handlebars of that uh, Bianchi with that old Jure's, um cross bike. And then I will find a good hill. There's a few good hills in the Phoenix Park. Yeah. Oh, maybe we need one going down into the River Liffey. Oh, that, yeah. And maybe the main drag of the Phoenix Park that drops down just in front of the Guinness factory there. So I'm gaffer taped. The dead me is gaffer taped to the bike. Yes. It is. I'm fully set on fire. Yeah. In the Carrera 1987 oh. polyester, which to be honest would probably got be like quite easy to light. You wouldn't need any any accelerant at all. It would be <laughs> you'd be it'd be a flame in seconds, mate, wouldn't you? I ramp straight down. I uh, hit the wall on the edge of the Liffey. I flip, and there I go. Like a hu- yeah. like briefly as you fly through the air, spinning like a Catherine wheel, like a human firework before you're snuffed out as you enter the the cold depths of the Liffey. So Blimey. nice. Yeah, yeah. What a way to go, people would say. Maybe the keyboard that I play in my comedy is in the uh, in the pocket at the back of that jersey, and it's um, it's it's the demo tune. Don't go changing. My Billy Joel is playing oh. as I Catherine wheel out into Getting the middle a bit of emotional, the mate. I mean, I don't want to to bring your demise <laughs> forward any any more uh, than than it's than. But w- what a yeah. What a way to maybe wrap the podcast up. <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you, mate. Just, uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever, yeah. I'm sorry, I, that's just just throw me, but I can actually envisage it. <laughs> what, I, what I've looked at, because it'd be difficult on a, on a two-wheeler to because you'd career out of control quite quickly. What I was thinking, yeah. two of your favourite bikes, but with oh, a plank yeah. of wood or a pallet tethering the two bikes together. So you've got some sort of, so it would, it would go down and then you on top of the pallet. Uh, dressed in your Carrera kit, so the, so you've got like four wheels essentially. So it would be a pro- so we could guarantee you that you'd get to where you needed to go. That's just a detail, though. Yeah, I think you've ruined it there. Sorry. I don't think it's as cool that way. No. I just, I just <sighs> really? like you would. Okay, then let me add one more element to it. I want like real '90s tour era. Do you know where there's the uh, person on the a mountain stage following the tire change yes. who's overly pushes the cyclist off oh yeah you know what super I mean? keen yeah yeah like too keen where where the and the last thing you see is Richard Varonk turning around a big <laughs> yes so I want you but I will in this situation allow you to push the oh. uh, the late me uh, down towards it. actually hang on look here's a wait I'm going to be two seconds. No worries. Oh, it looks like you're putting a nice jacket on here. Um, I'm commentating on my own podcast here. There's a, that's the sound of a zip. Oh, look at that. <laughs> so we are basically, I know that, right, if anybody's just, I don't, I don't know how you can dip into a pod at the end, but what I'm about to say <laughs> is I'm about to set fire to a dead David Adocherty dressed, clad in this wonderful Carrera Boys kit. <laughs> I tell you what, it looks amazing. Look at those cuffs as well. I know, yeah. It's the it's the it's the winter training jacket. Yeah, I found some man in Italy recently who just had a a ton of this exact era of stuff, 
And uh, yeah, he sent it to me in a job lot. And, it's really and very, nice, isn't it? It's absolutely corking, that is, isn't it? You're wearing it yeah. proudly, aren't you? You really are. Yeah, yeah I, I, mean. I. it's a funny thing because... So I think people here really do remember this era mm. and this kit probably more so than people... I don't know, it, 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 because it was Ireland's one and only ever victory in the tour... I think people did sort of bank it. It wasn't like Wiggins and Froome, you know, where the the sky kit was always changing a bit and the gear and all the rest of it. Yeah. Like for for all time, Roach is on his battleglid wearing the Carrera. Like no one even knows. Like some obscure Italian jeans manufacturer no. from the late eighties. It doesn't really matter. No. But yeah, I have. There's times where I've just grabbed this because I'm going out to do a gig in a pub around the corner, and I'll go on stage with it's it brilliant. on. Brilliant. And there's always one guy who comes up to you and is just like, wait till wait till everyone's gone and just pushes a, a pint of Guinness into your hand. It's just like, that jacket is sensational. It is, though. I mean, I wish I could point uh, push a, a, a pint of Guinness into your hand now, Dave, because it's been an absolute pleasure. We've gone on. This is probably going to be the, one of our longest pods in the history of, of our pod. Um, but it's been a blast. We'll have we'll have to do it again at some point. We'll have to go for a ride at some point, David. I'd love to do that. I know we'd talked about it in the past, but I think we should combine. Yeah, come and, to Edinburgh. Yeah. come to Edinburgh next year, and we'll ride up Arthur's Seat. We should do we should do something there. like that, shouldn't we? Let's do it because it was yeah. lovely to see you last year. And um, me and Holly were talking about it, my wife the other day about coming up and seeing you again. And uh, we we should do that, mate. But um, David, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Uh, there was so many questions that I was going to ask, but I didn't need to because the best conversations. <laughs> Just go off on tangents and we end up talking about your scrotum if you were a superhero uh, uh, and stuff like that. But Dave, thank you very much indeed, mate. Look after yourself and I will see you very, very soon. Anytime. Bye. Well, there you have it. What a lot of fun that was. I'd actually written loads of questions and didn't need any of them. I'll have to get David back on very soon. Thanks so much, David, and best of luck on your current world tour. In fact, why not check out if he's coming to a town near you? Visit davidodoherty.com for ticket info. Also, keep an eye out for David on Celebrity Bake Off, which will be on Channel 4 in the spring. This podcast was produced by Noel Gaffney on behalf of Hot Chili. Thanks to Perry Apgwinith for the podcast theme tune, and thanks to you for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate the pod, and why not recommend it to anybody who might not know their record from their super record, needs a five-pivot brake recommendation, or fancies listening to a cycling geek who owns a late-80s Mavic neutral service bike wax lyrical for over an hour. Cheers all, stay safe, and goodbye.